Hi everyone, Michael A. Bryan here from the Oraculos School of Astrology and welcome to the month of February 2023. I usually try to get these astro almanacs out a little bit earlier, like a couple days earlier. This time I'm getting it out right on the day of the start of the month and the reason for that is because I have been working my behind off with the finalization of my book, Mastering Traditional Astrology, which is set to publish in April 2023. This has been such a massive thing for me, and I am self-publishing because Chris Brennan told me that that was the way to go. So thank you very much, Chris, for giving me guidance in that regard. And truthfully speaking, it's been a really stressful, turbulent, but also joyful, exciting, exhilarating process to be able to really oversee every step of my own publishing journey by myself, basically. I have a really great team of people around me who've been supporting me creatively and also inspirationally in terms of coming through at the end of writing this book. And I'm super excited to share this book with all of you. So please stick around and stay tuned and prepare yourselves to purchase a copy of Mastering Traditional Astrology, A Depth of Beginning in the Celestial Art, which is set to be published this April 2023. Now, before we dive into our astrological forecast for the month of February 2023, I do want to let you know about some of the amazing things we have coming up at the Oracular School of Astrology this year. <laughs> I guess it is this year. Anyway, first up, we have our Medical Astrology Intensive, which begins this March 2023. The Medical Astrology Intensive is where you will learn all the things that we practice at the Oracular School of Astrology insofar as medical astrology is concerned. And I think it's a wonderful tool to have as a part of your astrological toolkit, particularly because when clients come to us, they don't just come to us as psychological beings or as financial beings or as beings with a domestic story or beings with relationship things they want to talk about. People come to us in their fullness and knowing how to look at an astrological chart from the perspective of seeing areas of constitutional strength and weakness within a person's physical body is just as important as being able to speak to someone about the various topics that they experience within the overall landscape of their lives. So if you want to learn more about medical astrology and the exciting traditional as well as futuristic things we do at the Oracular School of Astrology as far as medical astrology is concerned, then by all means sign up for our upcoming Medical Astrology Spring Intensive, which begins this March 2023. I will also be speaking at the Northwest Astrological Conference, or NORWAC, in Seattle this May 2023. So if you would like to meet me in person, as well as get a signed copy of my book, Mastering Traditional Astrology, then by all means, come and join us at NORWAC 2023 this May in Seattle, Washington. Also, I've recently been invited by the president of Kepler College to teach a course on essential dignities. Essential dignities and abilities are really a part of the heart of traditional astrology as well as traditional astrology delineation. And if you are an astrologer and you want to practice astrology in a more concrete, incisive way, then definitely you want to know more about how to use essential dignities and abilities. So if that's something that excites you, and if that's something that you want to bring more deeply into your own practice, then by all means, check out my course at Kepler College, which begins this May 2023. And finally, as you all know, horary astrology is near and dear to my heart. And this summer, we have our upcoming horary astrology summer intensive, which is something that we do every single year at Oraculos. And I'm really excited to be hosting another horary astrology summer intensive this year with my book, Mastering Traditional Astrology, as the core textbook that we use within that intensive. So if you're interested in practicing horary astrology, or if you're interested in having a gateway into traditional astrology, and you never have really had that before in a concrete, tangible way, then by all means, join us 
for our upcoming Horary Astrology Summer Intensive this summer 2023. Now, without further ado, let us dive into the astrology of February 2023. And yes, there is a little bit more ado because I feel like I always need to give a bit of a disclaimer about this astrological forecast. When we talk about astrological forecasts for the world at large, we really have to be mindful that a lot of the things that are happening may not necessarily feel as if they're happening to us specifically. However, I think that astrological forecasts such as this are really cool and they're really important because they give us an understanding of what's going on throughout the month ahead so that we can plan our events accordingly based on those things going on. At the end of the day, even though a particular astrological combination may not be specific to you, it's really important to know in general, I would think, if you're an astrologer, if you're planning to get married on a particular day, it's important to know whether or not the combinations in the sky for the world at large are going to be conducive to that marriage. Because whether or not it is directly personal to you, that sky is still going to be embedded within the context of your marriage chart for the rest of your life. And chances are you'd probably prefer to get married under the auspices of a Venus-Jupiter combination as opposed to the auspices of a Venus-Saturn combination or something to that effect. So from that general perspective, I always think it's cool to keep an eye on the astrology of the month ahead so that we could be that much more prepared to astrologically plan what's coming next for us. Now, the other side of this that I really find to be quite awesome is that we can also use this as a means of studying the various astrological combinations. Understanding how planet-to-planet contacts operate in astrology is a very important thing, especially within the context of our natal astrology practice. We really want to have an understanding in traditional natal astrology of not just what it means to have the rule of my first house in the trine relationship to the rule of my seventh house, but we also want to have an internal understanding of what it means for the sun and Mars to be operating together, or what it means for Mercury and Venus to be operating together. We want to understand planets not just specifically based on the houses that they rule, but we also want to understand planets within the context of their universal significations. So this astrological forecast for the month of February 2023 is meant to give you a means of studying the universal significations for the planets based on the various astrological combinations that we have coming up within the month ahead. Now, as you all know, I am both a purebred traditional astrologer, but I'm also a Uranian astrologer. And within the context of my Uranian work, I specifically use the hard aspects, which are the semi-squares, the squares, the sesquiquadrates, and the oppositions, and the conjunctions of the planets, the parallels, the contraparallels, and those quote-unquote hard aspect combinations, because those tend to be the aspects of manifestation. So if you don't hear me talking about the Mercury-Mars trine that's going to happen, or if you don't hear me talking about some other hard aspects combination that you were expecting for me to talk about, be not thou dismayed. The point is that within the context of predictive astrology in general, whether you are a traditional astrologer or a modern astrologer, we tend to be of the agreement that the hard aspects are the aspects to look out for within a predictive context. So we're going to be taking a look at the hard aspects combinations for the month of February 2023. And as always, if you want to keep your finger on the pulse of the astrology of the day every day, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Oraculos Astro, where I share with you both the astrological weather and all of the amazing things that are happening at the Oraculos School of Astrology. All right, so the very first combination that we have coming up on the 3rd of February is the Sun in a square relationship with Uranus, and that's going to happen on February 3rd at 9.50 p.m. EST, Sun square Uranus. Now, the Sun square Uranus tends to be a very electric combination in general. Usually when we have Sun square Uranus from a natal perspective, it feels as if we are bringing in more lightning into the world in general. 
And it's also a combination for people who are able to think on their feet and problem solve quickly and put together complex bits of information in a way that makes sense to them so that they can figure out how to navigate their lives more efficiently. So the sun square Uranus tends to be the combination of intuition as well as bringing in more lightning into ourselves from the perspective of inspiration, from the perspective of new thoughts, new ideas, from the perspective of bringing something into the world that the world probably isn't even ready for yet. So it's a day that honors the inventor. Now, the sun square Uranus combination for me is one of the better days of the month coming up. However, this combination can also be a combination that causes us to rush. And from a natal perspective, when we have sun square Uranus, it can cause us to feel as if we are constantly operating under too much coffee, <laughs> or it can make us feel as if we've taken in too much of a stimulant into our system that causes us to continuously be on, but it doesn't actually give us that much rest. So it's a really great day in terms of productivity, but it's not really the best day in terms of calming down and taking it slowly, because that just isn't the theme in the air on this day. So you can take advantage of the lightning that's streaming through the universe and through our world on this day. But at the same time, you have to bring that counter element of calm and peace and poise and equipoise so that you aren't really stressing yourself out too much. Wonderful for productivity, not really wonderful in terms of taking it easy. And if you're looking for an extra burst of productivity into your life, then February 3rd is going to be the day for you with the Sun square Uranus. Next up on the 4th of February, we have a Venus in a square relationship with Mars, and that's going to take place at 1028 p.m. EST. Now, Venus square Mars and all Venus Mars hard aspect combinations tends to be a very robust and it also tends to be a very passionate hard aspect combination. Claudius Ptolemy in his book, The Tetra Biblos, tells us that the fixed star Spica Virginis, or Spica, which we call Spica nowadays, is of the nature of Venus and Mars together. And Reinhold Eberton in the combination of stellar influences tells us that that combination of Venus-Mars is a combination of passion, it's a combination of excitement, and it's a combination of really being turned on. So I call the Venus-Mars combination the sexy combination. And in general, even the midpoint of Venus-Mars in our birth charts is our sexy midpoint. It tells us what turns us on. It tells us what helps us to get in the groove. It tells us what really inspires us at a deep, carnal level. So Venus-Mars is really a potent combination in terms of creativity. So it is wonderful for people within the creative fields and in the creative industry in general. It's also a wonderful fertility combination as well, the combination of Venus and Mars, because that coming together of Venus and Mars is the coming together to create a fecund environment or to create a fertile environment. And you could use that fertility in the air, both to write and publish a book, but you can also use that fertility in the air to give birth to something else or to begin the process of giving birth to something or to get pregnant. So the Venus-Mars combination on the 4th of February is a wonderful thing for that. The flip side of this is that since this is the square of Venus and Mars, it can also feel like a day when our Venusian connections are being bulldozed over by Mars, which is another thing that we have to be mindful of because Venus and Mars, while they do work together well in general, there's even a myth about how Venus and Mars were getting it on underneath a tree and then they got caught and there's a whole situation surrounding that. So there is this natural sense of kinship and fellowship and love between Venus and Mars, but the square aspect between them can also cause there to be ruptures 
within relationships, and it can cause ruptures to be more prevalent within relationships than reconciliation. Because when we have Venus-Mars as a combination, it makes everybody feel very certain about their right to be right, and it doesn't actually create the softest environment between people. So if you're a part of a creative project, you might be saying, hey, I think that this is the first thing we should do. And somebody else with the same amount of creative impetus running through them might be like, hey, no, but this is the first thing to do. And so while everybody is benefiting from the creativity in the air on this day, everybody also feels so rounded or so rooted or so divinely spoken to as a result of that creativity, there can be frictions and tensions between people. So we want to be mindful to create an environment of harmonious exchange between others, because if we're going to be making something with others, we want to make sure that the air between us stays harmonious, while we also take advantage of this passion and this excitement and this fire in our loins to bring something out of ourselves into the world for the benefit of others. So that's happening on the 4th of February at 10.28 p.m. EST. Now, on that same day, we have the sun in the contraparallel relationship with Uranus, and that's actually going to be at 11.27 p.m. EST. And the sun contraparallel Uranus is basically the same as any sun Uranus hard aspects combination. Wonderful day as far as invention is concerned. So once again, we have this theme from the 3rd of February following us through to the 4th of February with the sun Uranus contraparallel combination continuing on the 4th of February. And so it's a wonderful day for us to draw down the lightning, which is my catchphrase for that combination in general. But it's also a wonderful day for us to really think about the things that we are really inspired by and to think about the things that really turn us on specifically and to think about the things that really feel as a unique expression of our radiant truth within this lifetime. Because when we can tap more deeply into that, it also gives us the inspiration to do more of that thing within the world. Because when you can tap deeply into your own source of Uranian weirdness, it makes you realize that nobody else in the world is ever going to be quite as weird as you. And when you realize that nobody else in the world is going to be quite as weird as you, it also gives you the ability to feel that much more emboldened to bring out that specific strand of uniqueness that is within you out into the world for other people to benefit from. So 4th of February, wonderful, wonderful day. And we see this continuation of this theme of expanding our unique creativity in the world at large. Now, on the 7th of February, we are going into choppy waters because on the 7th of February, we have Venus in a semi-square relationship with Pluto, and that's happening at 1.21 a.m. EST. So while the birds are sleeping, the monkeys are weeping <laughs> or something. But the point is that even though people on the East Coast may be asleep, this is a combination that's going to be in the air pretty much for this entire day because this is the combination that the day is riding in on. Now, Venus-Pluto in any sort of hard aspect combination in the combination of stellar influences, Reinhold Eberton tells us this is the combination of fanaticism in love. It's a very intense love combination, and it's also a very impulsive love combination. So we really want to be mindful of the sorts of connections that we're making on this day. When we see people having this combination of Venus-Pluto from a natal perspective, it intensifies from a universal perspective their love story within their lives. And for some people, that can intensify their physical body and how their physical body expresses sex and sexuality in the world. And sometimes that can be something that is working out great for them. And other times it can be something that brings them a great deal of suffering and pain and turmoil as well. And I'm thinking about quite a few clients who have struggled with their physical bodies insofar as a particular part of them was really pronounced. And 
you know, other people were like, oh, wow, that's so amazing. But for them on a physical level, it was like, oh, my God, like, can't I just hide? Because this Venus-Pluto combination, it increases our Venus. And our Venus is oftentimes the parts of us that we use as our attractive calling cards in the world from a very primal, procreative mating sense, basically. So anyway, that's one of the ways how Venus-Pluto can manifest. Another way how Venus-Pluto can manifest is in really making people make decisions in their love life that tends to be rather impulsive. And so you rush into a relationship or you allow yourself to get swept up on the waves of a relationship. And before you know it, your life has become completely overwhelmed by that relationship that you formed. So on the 7th of February, be very mindful that if you are entering relational spaces with people or binding yourself in a relationship with somebody else, that that binding is happening on an even footing and that you don't feel rushed in the process of doing that. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard in my life is that investing in something shouldn't turn us on. It shouldn't speed us up. There shouldn't be any excitement surrounding the thought of investing in something because our decision to invest should come out of a sober place within ourselves. So if you are investing yourself deeper into a relationship on the 7th of February with this Venus semi-square Pluto combination, we really have to ask ourselves whether or not that investment represents the extension of a sobering within ourselves or whether or not that investment feels like something that we're being plunged into from the perspective of a more impulsive place. So that's happening on February the 7th. Now, the next hard aspect combination we have coming up is Mercury in a sesquiquadrate relationship with Mars, and that's happening on the 9th of February at 8.22 a.m. EST. So we have Mercury sesquiquadrate Mars on the 9th of February. And Mercury-Mars as a combination is really awesome, especially when it comes to speaking our mind and speaking our truth. Mercury, as we know, is the god of speech and communication and language. And one of the things that the ancients said about Mars is that Mars challenges everybody to honor themselves. And so there's this notion within the nature of being a Martian person that we don't really allow ourselves to be trampled over by anyone. We don't really allow ourselves to let other people have their say and have their way within our lives. So the Mercury-Mars combination is really great if you want to advocate for yourself. It's also great if you feel as if you want to stand in a place of activism for something that you believe in or for something that's really important for you, or if you've been meaning to have a confrontation with someone and you haven't really had the intestinal fortitude to do so, and you've been waiting for some larger cosmic impulse to goad you in that direction, then this combination of Mercury-Mars is a great combination for that. It's also a combination for strife. And the card I'm thinking about in the Kabbalistic Tarot is the Five of Wands in the Kabbalistic Tarot, which is called the Lord of Strife, and it's representing Saturn in Leo. And so that combination of the Five of Wands energy, as it were, is what we find in the air on February the 9th with the Mercury sesquiquadrate to the Mars, because it's wonderful in terms of speaking our truth. But as we know, when we speak our truth within the world, that can also rub people the wrong way. So be mindful that February 9th is a bit of an argumentative day, and you don't really want to find yourself being pulled deeply into somebody else's argument on that day. It is a wonderful day in terms of speaking your mind. And I guess it's kind of a catch-22, because if you speak your mind to someone who you want to speak your mind to, then you're kind of inadvertently inviting or creating the space for the potential of an argument. So who knows? Maybe you punch and run. <laughs> you know, Maybe you speak your mind and then you call an Uber or whatever. But the point is that it's a wonderful day for speaking your mind. It can also be a very intense day <laughs> in terms of 
you know, the repercussions of speaking our mind. So who knows? This one is a is a catch 22 in that regard. It's also a good day because it brings a lot of fire into our minds in general. So if you are a writer or a public speaker and you need to write a speech, then it's a wonderful day to write a speech. Me, for example, I have not yet written my Norwalk speech. I need to go write it. So maybe I'll be writing it on the 9th of February. Or if you're someone who is just working in the communicative industry in general, you can find a lot more fire on your tongue on this day. Be mindful that when we have fire on our tongue, we may not necessarily speak in a way that is very considerate <laughs> of other people. And we, we may find ourselves putting our foot in our mouth more often than not. So there's a lot to digest and chew, no pun intended, but there's a lot to chew on this day, the 9th of February, with this combination of Mercury, Sasquatch, Quadrate, Mars, and, you know, forewarned is forewise, or whatever they say. Now, the next combination that we have coming up is on the 10th of February, we have Mercury conjunct Pluto, and that is going to be at 12.15 p.m. EST, Mercury conjunct Pluto is a lot. And the reason why it's a lot is because the day before, on the 9th of February, we had the Mercury-Mars, which was a very forceful, communicative combination. And on the 10th of February, that sense of forceful communication is continuing with the Mercury conjunct Pluto, which is a wonderful combination if you're a cult leader. It's not a wonderful combination if you are just a normal person trying to live in the world and trying just to talk a little bit and trying to get yourself heard because Mercury-Pluto is the combination of persuasive communication. So it's not just for the cult leaders. It's also for people who are working in the legal profession. So on this day, the 10th of February, it could be really good if you have to defend yourself in a court case because it is a very persuasive communication sort of thing. This is the person who can sell fish to a fisherman, basically. And this is the combination for that. So, you know, if you are wanting to use your words in a persuasive way or write a persuasive essay or get somebody to listen more carefully to what you're saying, then the 10th of February is a wonderful day for that. When we have this combination natally, it can make us feel as if we're always 10 steps ahead of everybody else because we can feel like we can schmooze, not even necessarily schmooze, because Mercury-Pluto isn't a schmoozing combination, but we feel as if we can pull a fast one over on everyone. And that usually tends to be the case when we do have these combinations of Mercury-Pluto. But we have to be mindful that with that superpower also comes a lot of responsibility because Mercury-Pluto can also be a thing that rubs people the wrong way because people aren't going to keep the wool over their eyes forever. And then when they finally realize that yet again, you've gotten a quick one over on them, they might be a little bit disillusioned about you as a person. So Mercury, Pluto, natally, wonderful combination for getting our way. But getting our way is a lot nicer when people don't realize <laughs> we're getting our way. When the cat is out of the bag and people realize that that's what you're all about, it might create a bit of interpersonal friction between you and others. So be mindful of that as we go into the 10th of February. Now, on the 10th of February, we are also having the combination of the sun in a contra-parallel relationship to the North Node, and that's happening at 6.47 p.m. EST. I don't really have much to say about the Sun in a contra-parallel relationship with the Node. The Sun-Node as a combination can oftentimes have to do with our intimate connections with men in general, because from a universal perspective, the Sun is representing father figures and male figures within our lives, and the Node is representing our intimate connections in general. So that is the interpretation of those two points together. As you can see, it's a bit lackluster without something else coloring it. And I guess we can say that the Mercury-Pluto combination is coloring that. So on this day, be mindful of men who try to pull a quick one 
over on us or men in power who try to overwhelm us by their power and as a result of that try to pull a quick one over on us because that is kind of what's in the air on that day and you know depending on who picks up on that vibration in the air we might see that manifesting within our own lives if not in the world at large on the 11th of February, we have Mercury ingressing into Aquarius, which I tend to love a lot, not just because Mercury is one of the triplicity rulers of Aquarius from a traditional astrology perspective, but also because Aquarius is the domicile or the home of Saturn. And whenever we have Mercury in any of Saturn's homes, it gives us a feeling of weight and gravity to both our words as well as to how we're putting information together within ourselves. So it's a really great combination if we need to sequentially put information together in a way that makes sense. And it's a really great combination if we want to lay out the structure of a plan that we need to put together in order to make something even larger happen. Any combination of Mercury-Saturn, whether we have the actual planets, Mercury-Saturn making a combination, or if we have Mercury in the domiciles of Saturn, it creates a gravity and a strength and a stability in terms of our ability to work with information, but also organize ourselves. So if you find yourself feeling a bit more organized around the 11th of February, when we have Mercury ingressing into Aquarius, then consider it all joy and really take advantage of that level of self-organization that will be available to you on that day and really during Mercury's entire time in that sign. Now, on the 12th of February, we have one of the best days of the month coming up with the sun in a semi-square relationship with Jupiter, and that is going to be happening at 1.49 a.m. EST. So the day is rolling in with this sun-Jupiter energy, and sun-Jupiter in combination really is the combination of physical success. So if you've been looking to manifest something or initiate something, at a moment when there is this overarching theme of physical success in the air, then the 12th of February is a wonderful day for that. And if you're on the East Coast and you don't mind staying up late <laughs> to organize your efforts with the exact moment that the sun enters this semi-square relationship with Jupiter, this will be happening on the 12th of February at 1.49 a.m. and three seconds. So for those of you who are anal retentive and really want to get it while it's hot, then that's exactly when it's going to be happening. Sun Jupiter, physical success. One of the best combinations we can ever expect to have in general is a combination of bounty. It's a combination of feeling and knowing that things are really working out for you. It's a combination of knowing that as you step forward, your steps are divinely ordered. And as you step forward, there's nothing but success that's going to flow out of you. So the 12th of February is a wonderful day for that, especially at the beginning of the day, because as we go deeper into the day, the day starts to suck royally. On that same day, the 12th of February, we have the sun in a parallel relationship with Saturn, and that's going to be at 1.14 p.m. EST. Sun-Saturn is the very manifestation of physical blockages. So if you're really wanting to get something done, you really want to get it done earlier in the day, not later in the day, because the later the day progresses on the 12th of February, the more we start to move into the Sun-Saturn pessimistic, dreary, very heavy and very uninspired combination. It can feel as if our car gets stuck in the mud. So we want to be mindful of that. We want to be mindful that, that the day starts in a better way than it ends. And if you're looking to organize your efforts around a more successful combination, then you probably want to do that closer to the beginning of the day. On the 14th of February, Valentine's Day, we have a wonderful combination in the air. And when I saw this combination, it really shook me deeply. It didn't shake me deeply. It really amazed me deeply. Because on this day, we have the combination of Venus in a semi-square relationship to the North Node. Venus Node is one of our marriage combinations. 
Can you imagine? We have a marriage combination in the sky on Valentine's Day. So Valentine's Day this year seems to be quite divinely inspired. So if you were thinking that you were going to have a good Valentine's Day, you're more than likely going to have a good Valentine's Day because on that day, we have Venus in a semi-square relationship with the North Node. And that's happening on Valentine's Day at 7.38 a.m and 58 seconds. So 7.38 a.m. EST, we have Venus in a semi-square relationship with the North Node, a wonderful marriage combination, a wonderful combination for love. As you all know, the nodes represent our intimate connections. Therefore, if we have a Venus-Node combination, it's representing the proliferation of love within our intimate connections. As we go on through the 14th, of February, we also have the combination of Mars in a sesquiquadrate relationship with Pluto, and that's going to be happening at 11.10 p.m. EST. So for the most part, the entire day is lovely and nice and everybody's getting along and all is well. Then at the end of the day, the volcano erupts. So if you and your lover of the day or the month or the year can be in bed <laughs> by 10 p.m. EST, you're going to avoid the Mars-Pluto combination later on at the end of the day. Mars-Pluto is a very, it's not argumentative, it's violent, really. Mars-Pluto, it's an explosive, corrosive, violent combination, and it's not really the best combination in the world in terms of interpersonal relationships. It's more an individualizing combination in terms of an individual manifesting superhuman displays of strength and prowess, but it isn't really the greatest thing in the world insofar as people connecting and creating softness together is concerned. So it depends on what you're into, you know, what floats your boat. You can use the beginning of February for a tank to really do all of your wonderful Valentine's Day stuff. And at the end of the day, when your lover is sleeping, you can dive into something that requires a superhuman expression of personal power and really channel that extra steam into something that really needs that much more energy from you. Now, the 15th of February, well, I was going to say the 15th of February also sucks, but it doesn't also suck because February 14th didn't suck to begin with. But the 15th of February definitely sucks because we have Venus conjunct Neptune, and that's happening at 7.25 a.m. EST. Venus conjunct Neptune is a wonderful combination for people who do photography or music or painting, especially watercolors. You know, literally watercolor is Venus Neptune. Venus is color. Neptune is water. Watercolors are very Venus Neptune sort of thing. So if you want to pick up one of those things, it's a wonderful thing to do. However, Venus Neptune in any hard aspect combination does not bode well for love at all. The specific definition of Venus-Neptune in both Reinhold Eberton's The Combination of Stellar Influences, as well as Alfred Vitter's Rules for Planetary Pictures is disappointment in love. So that's just what it is. Luckily, it's happening the day after Valentine's Day and not on Valentine's Day, but Venus-Neptune in any hard aspects combination is representing disappointment in love. So go figure. That's what we see. Very often when we see this in a natal chart, especially if it's corroborated by many other things that also bear the same message, it can indicate someone who feels as if they have a consistently rough go at it as far as love is concerned. It can feel as if they're consistently finding the nebbish partner who can't really turn them on or who can't really get it up or who can't really do something to keep them motivated or inspired. It could be a person who finds themselves either ending up with a Casper milk toast sort of person or ending up with a person who they just don't really feel could deliver the goods of love to them in a way that really feels good and rich and supportive. 
Now, if you have Venus, Neptune in your chart, please don't go crazy. Because like I said, if we're going to say anything from a natal perspective to anyone, that has to be corroborated by multiple corroborating factors. Adoraculos, one of our favorite words is corroboration. So the Venus, Neptune by itself isn't enough to say that somebody is with an impotent partner. However, the Venus-Neptune combination is definitely a combination of disappointment and love. And it is more so a combination of disappointment and love if we find that being corroborated by multiple factors within a person's natal chart. It's also a good combination for watercolor painting. So, you know, do that. And I guess that's it. Now, on the 15th of February, we also have Venus in a parallel relationship with Neptune, and that's going to happen at 7.56 a.m. So we have the Venus zodiacal conjunction to Neptune at 7.25, and then we have the Venus parallel relationship to Neptune at 7.56. So it's a very Venus-Neptune sort of day. It's definitely not a day to get married to anyone, I would personally say. I wouldn't do it. If you feel like you should get married to someone on a day when you have, for example, transiting Neptune conjunct your descendant or your ascendant, it's probably not a good idea. And similarly, if you feel as if you should get married to someone during a period of time, long though it may be, when you have Neptune traipsing back and forward over your Venus in your natal chart, it's probably also not a good idea. So just a word to the wise from the wise is sufficient. Moving on to the 16th of February, we have the sun in a conjunction with Saturn. So we have a slew. Is it slew or is it slew? It's one of the two of them, but we have an array. We have array. We have a smorgasbord. We have several days when it doesn't really feel the best from an astrological perspective. On the 16th of February, we have the sun in the conjunction with Saturn, which just isn't really the nicest thing at all. Like I said earlier, it could feel as if our car is stuck in the mud or as if we're a bit stuck in the mud. It really isn't the best day in the world in terms of success. It really isn't the best day in the world in terms of initiating anything that you want to be physically successful. It's a far better day to do something that is more contemplative, that's more self-reflective, that allows you to be alone, that allows you to really soak up the wisdom in your years. It isn't really a good day to share with other people in that sort of way. So that's on the 16th of February, and that is going to be at 11.48 a.m. EST. Moving on, we have on the 16th of February, also Mercury in a square relationship with the North Node. Now, when we have Mercury square the node, it does make us feel as if we want to be very chatty with everybody. Because remember, the nodes in general represent our intimate connections. And Mercury is the god of communication. He was able to ascend to the highest heights of heaven, as well as descend to the lowest pits of hell. And so Mercury node has this ability to make us want to communicate with other people. And it also makes us want to feel as if we're able to share our ideas with others in a major way. Now, once again, I did say this day sucks because it does. Because at the beginning of the day, we have the sun conjunct Saturn combination. And the sun is basically moving at the rate of one degree a day which means that this entire day is going to be colored by the sun Saturn. So it's probably highly unlikely that you'll really be able to tap into any of the communicative good mojo that we have through the Mercury node combination. Similarly, on this day, we also have Venus in a contra-parallel relationship with Jupiter, and that is going to be happening at 8.54 p.m. EST. Venus-Jupiter tends to be one of our super-duper marriage combinations that we love more than anything else in the universe. However, once again, the day is starting off with the Sun conjunct Saturn, and that is really going to be the thing that's coloring the air for this entire day. So, there you go. 
Now, on the 17th of February, we have Mercury in a 45 or Mercury in a semi-square relationship with Neptune. That's going to be at 3.47 p.m. EST. Mercury-Neptune is a bit of a doozy. It's a wonderful day for inspirational writing. It's a wonderful day when you feel like you just need to divest yourself of all of your intellectual property and get it out on paper, even though you know it's going to read like a dump of consciousness or a vomit of consciousness on paper. It's completely fine because some days we just feel like the babbling brook. Some days we feel like we're a part of the chattering sisterhood of Agnes Palatius, basically. That's not really what it's called, but whatever. The point is, and that sometimes with this Mercury-Neptune combination, it makes us feel like we really, really, really want to be in dialogue. And, you know, Mercury-Neptune isn't known for its erudition. It's not really known for its ability to organize information in a good way. And very often when we're talking and we have Mercury-Neptune, it can be that we just end up sounding like Sister Loquacious, we're talking a lot, but not really saying much of anything. So be mindful that you may want to express yourself verbally on this day, and it might make more sense to express yourself on paper, to give yourself a wonderful day to just write it all out and get it out of yourself in that sort of way. It could also be a very good combination for singing. Mercury-Neptune is a wonderful combination for people who sing or people who use their voice in a spiritual, otherworldly sort of way. So it's great for that. And that is the sort of communication that is best when we have Mercury-Neptune. When we have Mercury-Neptune in our natal charts, then that can be, or those can be areas where we really shine from a communicative perspective. We can shine in terms of poetry. We can shine in terms of singing. Some people would even say we can shine in terms of channeling information from the other side, whatever. The point is that it's a wonderful day when we are using our voices or our ability to communicate to do something higher than just regular schmegular communication, but we're actually using our voice to channel something that is not of this world. It's a great combination for that, not necessarily a good combination for communicating in a general sense. And also whenever Mercury Neptune is in the air, we really always wanna be mindful as to whether or not people are speaking to us with the greatest amount of honesty, because very often Mercury Neptune isn't. <laughs> Moving on to the 18th of February, we have the sun ingressing into Pisces, which is going to be happening at 5.34 p.m. EST. We love that for ourselves and we love that for the world. When the sun ingresses into Pisces, the sun is in the watery nocturnal domicile of Jupiter. So during this entire period of time while the sun is in Pisces, it could be a period of time in which we feel super inspired, in which we feel super clear. And I'm speaking about clear in the sense that we feel like we're bringing down everything out of the universe because the sun in Pisces can make us feel that much more open and porous and clear in the same sort of way that the ocean tends to be open and clear and susceptible and ready to receive anything. So during this period of time, while the sun is in Pisces, we also can benefit from developing some of our own extrasensory perceptions. And that can be in the form of doing that through something like divination, whether that's tarot, maybe you want to use this period of time as a 30-day period to reconsecrate yourself to your tarot practice if you have one, or to your runes practice, or to your yijing practice, or anything like that. Because when the sun is in Pisces, it gives us the ability to feel as if we are actually holding the ocean within ourselves because we were first a part of that original cosmic ocean. So a lot of people who have the sun in Pisces can oftentimes feel as if they're always on the verge of disappearing. And that disappearing part of the Piscean nature is because it's ruled by Jupiter and Jupiter is an expander of everything and Jupiter represents an expansive quality. And similarly, when we have our sun 
especially at the beginning of Pisces. So the zero degrees Pisces, between zero degrees and two and a half degrees Pisces, it can really feel as if we have one foot in this world as well as one foot out of the world, because that region of Pisces tends to be a part of that sign that really makes us that much more clear. I love that word clear. And when I'm doing tarot, for example, that's really when I feel clear. And I don't think of it as a psychic thing per se, or as anything. I just think of it as, wow, I know when I've stepped out of being Michael in my everyday consciousness to being Michael clear. And so for those of you who have your son in the early degrees of Pisces, especially between zero degrees and two and a half degrees Pisces, you might live your life in this space of feeling constantly clear and feeling constantly open. And that could feel like a constant sense of vulnerability to you. However, you can use that to your advantage and you could hone those skills to your advantage in things such as divination and art, for example, clearly my tendency is towards divination, but divination for sure is a wonderful way how to harness some of the sensitivity that we have during this time. On the 20th of February, we have Venus ingressing into Aries, and that is going to be happening at 2.55 a.m. EST, Venus ingressing into Aries. Venus ingressing into Aries is very similar to Venus being in conjunction with Mars. And usually from a natal astrology perspective, that's how I tend to think about planets within the domiciles of other planets. When we have Venus in Aries, for example, I don't interpret that as Venus in Aries as an inalienable concept within itself. I interpret that as Venus Mars. So we have Venus Mars vis-a-vis -vis Venus ingressing into Aries on the 20th of February at 2.55 a.m. EST. And for this entire period of time, we see even more creative impetus in the air. So we have the sun that's going to be in Pisces for the month, and we have Venus who's also going to be spending quite a bit of time, and by quite a bit of time, not really that long, but we have Venus who's going to be spending a few weeks in Aries and those two things in combination, Sun and Pisces, Venus and Aries, can really allow us to give birth to things in a brand new way that really feels very exciting. And it also feels very full of life and vitality and vigor, because that's really what the Venus-Mars combination stands for. We are also reminded that Venus is in her detriment in Aries, which isn't really the best thing in the world. And so when Venus is in Aries, we all tend to be a little bit more tactless. We all tend to speak with a little bit more reckless abandon. So we want to be mindful that while Venus is in Aries, we're not speaking in a way that alienates us from others, because sometimes we feel like we're speaking in a way that's just speaking our truth. And, you know, why can't everybody be happy for me while I speak my truth? But at the same time, sometimes speaking your truth could also be something that pushes other people out of your life. So be mindful of that as we navigate the month ahead. The next thing that we have coming up on the 20th of February, exact same day, is Venus in a semi-square relationship with Uranus, and that's going to be happening at 8.41 a.m. Venus semi-square Uranus is very similar to having Uranus conjunct your seventh house cusp, which in traditional astrology, and I can't even say traditional astrology because I know that there's a lot of traditional astrologers who literally spontaneously combust if I consider Uranus to be a part of the traditional astrology pantheon. But for those of us who practice neo-traditional or neoclassical astrology, having Uranus conjunct your seventh house cusp can be one of the things that's indicative of an unstable love life. And if you have other things within your chart that are corroborative of you having an unstable love life, then having Uranus conjunct your seventh house cusp can very well be a combination. It's not really a combination, it's a placement, but it could very well be a placement that is indicative of divorce. Now, once again, if you have Uranus conjunct your seventh house cusp 
and you are living in a wonderfully happy marriage, then you probably have other things within your natal chart that corroborate that very happy marriage for you. However, if you do have Uranus conjunct your seventh house cusp, and you have other things within your natal chart that also corroborate a feeling or that also corroborate the concrete reality of instability in relationships, then Uranus conjunct the seventh can very well lead to divorce. I'm saying this because on the same day, we have the Venus ingressing into Aries, which, like I said, can be a combination that causes us to not really be that tactful with how we carry ourselves through the world. And so as we continue to move through this day, we see other things that corroborate the fact that this day could be a day that's a little bit choppy in terms of our interpersonal relationships. And it can also be a day when we aren't really paying attention to people as we move in relation to them. And therefore, we can bring out the other side of Venus Uranus, which can be ruptures within our love life or ruptures within our intimate connections. So February 20th is a bit of a doozy, and we want to be mindful that we are respecting everyone. We're showing everybody the same sorts of love and appreciation that we'd expect for them to show us, because it can be a day when relationships are on the hairier side of life. Now, on the 21st of February, we have Mercury in a square relationship with Uranus, and that's happening at 5.22 p.m. EST, Mercury square Uranus. Mercury in the Kabbalistic Tarot is representing the magician, and Uranus within the Kabbalistic Tarot, especially for those of us who practice a more modern orientation to the Kabbalistic Tarot, consider Uranus to be associated with the Fool card. So when we have this Mercury-Uranus combination, it can really feel as if, similar to having Sun-Uranus, as if we are completely tapped into the streams of universal inspiration that completely blow our own socks off. If you have a hard aspect combination between Mercury and Uranus in your natal chart, then that can be one of the things that predisposes you to astrology in the first place. The astrological combinations from a birth chart perspective are really any Uranus combinations, which I think is very telling <laughs> because it says that all of us who practice astrology are a little bit unstable, but there you have it. Anyway, so all Uranus combinations can be very indicative of us having a proclivity towards astrology as a personal practice. Also, specifically, the Sun-Uranus hard aspects combinations and the Mercury-Uranus hard aspect combinations, such as what we will have on the 21st of February, are all indicative of us being able to do the mental gymnastics necessary to be great at astrology. If you don't have Mercury-Uranus hard aspect combinations or even Sun-Uranus hard aspect combinations in your natal chart, then be not thou dismayed because chances are if you're doing astrology and you're really good at it, it's because you have worked to gain that talent and that's just it. Astrology is a discriminator of no one, but it definitely does require uh, that Uranian ability to zigzag between pieces of information rather quickly in order to come up with a rapid delineation on the spot. So that is the combination of Mercury-Uranus on the 21st. Now, on the 24th of February, we have Jupiter-Contra-Parallel-Neptune. Jupiter-Contra-Parallel-Neptune is an interesting combination. It's going to be happening at 1.58 p.m. Jupiter-Contra-Parallel-Neptune is the Jesus combination. I call it the Messiah combination. And the reason I call it the Messiah combination is because usually when people have Jupiter-Neptune, they are inspired to help everyone. They're inspired to save the world and save the dolphins and, you know, pick up the, the half-dead animal on the side of the road and put it in an animal shelter of half-dead, almost roadkill, but not quite roadkill animals. And, you know, they choose to have this animal shelter on the side of their house next to their actual family home. And it's a whole thing because we care too much when we have the Jupiter-Neptune combination. It really makes us big softies. And while that is wonderful, if you're like Mother Teresa or something, on a practical level, it may not necessarily be the best thing in the world in terms of, you know, just being a human being. And very often people can take that kindness for weakness and they can see you and, you know, 
try to pull one over on you because they realize that you're going to be kind to them no matter what. And, you know, you really want to make sure that you're not being taken advantage of by others as a result of your kindness. Jupiter-Neptune combinations can also be a very great thing in terms of diving more deeply into something that we feel a great amount of devotion to. Jupiter-Neptune is the combination of the devoted aspirant or of the devotee of something which is very often why people who have Jupiter and Neptune combinations tend to be devotees of life. They want to help everyone, save everyone, take some of the pain of living away from everyone, but it can also be something that doesn't really allow them to tap into their own needs in a very deep and sensitive sort of way. So that's happening on the 24th of February, this jupiter parallel neptune combination. On the 25th of February, we have Mercury in a contra-parallel relationship with Uranus. Mercury contra-parallel Uranus, we've already spoken about this. You can make anything happen on this day. Also, if you have this combination from a natal perspective, Mercury contra-parallel Uranus, it's another one of our great astrological combinations. And this is happening at 7.48 p.m. EST, the Mercury-Uranus combination. Wonderful combination for rapid problem solving, wonderful combination for speaking to others about astrology, wonderful combination for engaging in an astrological community discourse. It's also a wonderful combination under which to promote yourself as an astrologer, because on this day, people are that much more aware that the sources of knowledge within the universe aren't just going to come through mainstream channels, but they're also more aware on these days when we have Sun, Uranus, Mercury, Uranus, Venus, Uranus in the air, that information can come from anywhere. And people are that much more interested and open to receiving information from weird places, especially from places like astrology. So that's going to be on the 25th of February. Moving on through, we have on the 26th of February, coming towards the end of the month, Mercury in a semi-square relationship with Venus at 6.12 a.m. EST. People who have Mercury-Venus in their natal charts are very predisposed to beautifying language and beautifying their words. Those people can excel at things like music, especially music that involves using their own voice. So people who have Mercury-Uranus, so people who have Mercury-Venus in either conjunction or semi-square relationships such as this can be people who excel at poetry, as well as music, as well as singing, as well as creative writing. It's a very wonderful combination for all of those things. So if any of those things are things that you desire to do or to initiate or to bring into your life more fully, then the 26th of February is a wonderful day to make that happen. Now, the last big astrological day we have in February is on the 28th of February, when we have Venus in a contra-parallel relationship with Neptune. We don't get married when Neptune is conjunct our Venus. We don't get married when Neptune is contra-parallel our Venus. We just don't get married when Neptune is doing anything to our Venus whatsoever. We don't get married when Neptune is conjunct our seventh house, first house, fourth house, or tenth house. It's just not really the best thing in the whole wide world. On this day, we have Venus in the contra-parallel relationship with Neptune. You know how I feel about it. It's a day of disappointment in love. It's a day of disappointment or disillusionment in terms of relationships or in terms of unions that we're trying to create with other people. It's a wonderful day for photography. It's a wonderful day for capturing beauty, beauty being the Venus, capturing being the Neptune. It's a wonderful day for doing anything that brings a little bit more beauty into the world, whether that is planting a garden or whether that is writing some super love story that you plan to publish. It's a great day in terms of 
using your love juices and your creativity juices in that regard. But in terms of creating relationships with other people, it isn't necessarily the best. We do see on this day, we all have the ability to be Sister Mary Loquacious because on the 28th of February at 9.38 p.m., we also have Mercury in a semi-square relationship with Jupiter, Mercury, semi-square Jupiter, or Mercury in any hard aspect relationship with Jupiter at all is the combination for people who want to speak within the world in a never-ending, everlasting sort of way. So Mercury-Jupiter combinations are really great for preachers and teachers and public speakers and people who just live through words or people who just live by speaking. So once again, we see a doubling of this theme of using our creative juices to bring something out of ourselves. And particularly because we have the Mercury-Jupiter combination, it's also a good combination under which to begin a writing project. On the 28th of February, the day is ending at 11.23 p.m. EST with the Venus parallel Jupiter combination. The Venus parallel Jupiter combination, along with everything else we saw this day, said that the sort of writing that we're doing, or even the sort of reading that we might be doing on this day, might be readings such as Rumi, or reading such as anything that really inspires us and that causes us to broaden the parameters within our hearts that define who and what we can love. Venus-Jupiter is a wonderful marriage combination. Like we said earlier, the day is starting with the Venus-Neptune combination, which isn't really the best thing in the world. So the best place to exercise these powers in terms of love and the expansion of love and the expression of love could possibly even be just writing a love letter to yourself. When was the last time you looked at yourself and told yourself, I love you? When was the last time you looked at yourself and genuinely said, I really like who I am as a person. I really am satisfied and I love who I am as a person. When was the last time you went on a date with just yourself? The 28th of February can be a wonderful day for that because the 28th of February is all about us getting lost in a sense in a cloud of love and in a cloud of amorous affection, also expressing that in terms of our words and in terms of our language, but it's also a matter of doing that in a way where the benefit of that comes directly back to us because the Venus Neptune doesn't necessarily suggest that we should do that with other people. Therefore, go on a vacation with yourself on this day. Give yourself a bouquet of roses on this day. Do something for yourself. Get a mani-pedi on this day. Do something that allows you to know that you are worthy of all the love that the universe has for anyone. And to know that as far as love is concerned, if you're not loving yourself first, then it really doesn't matter who else you share love with because your self-love is the most important thing that you can invest in within this lifetime. Because when you put that life jacket on yourself, you can then go out and help other people. So that is the astrology for the month of February, 2023. I really hope that you all enjoyed tuning into this episode of the Oraculos podcast. And if anything about this resonated with you at all, or if you see some of these connections starting to shine through your own life as you move through February, 2023, please feel free to leave me a note down below in the comment section so that I can know how you are living with the astrology of the day every day. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael A. Bryan, leaving you in peace and love and hope until we meet again. Have a good one. Bye-bye.